0: Welcome to the Islam Channel podcast. I'm Maz Patel, and with me today is Professor Tariq Ramadan, a renowned academic thinker, author, and is emeritus professor of contemporary Islamic studies at the University of Oxford. Um, Professor Ramadan, Sheikh Tariq Ramadan, welcome to the show. Just call me Tariq. Okay, well, Inshallah. (laughs) um, Okay, Tariq, (laughs) Um, you are one of the most important figures in Western Islamic thought. Uh, you were listed as one of the 100 most influential people in the world by both Time magazine and foreign policy. But we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> and we've got a lot to talk about, including obviously the catastrophic situation of Palestinians in Gaza. But before I come on to that, I want to ask you about yourself. Um, who is Tariq um, with respect (laughs) Uh, what makes tarik click you know what made tarik the person he is today let's start off with um your your childhood um thank
1: you for this kind introduction i I was born and raised in in geneva yeah in fact and because my father and my mother had to leave egypt for political reasons and uh, um Oppression over there. So uh, I I was born in Geneva. I went through the whole process of my uh, schools and yeah. and and over there. And then what was important for me is that uh, I was always thinking when I was young that one day I would go back mm. Egypt because I felt that this was home for me and uh it was impossible at the beginning because of political reasons we were banned from from traveling even we didn't have a, even a passport for for many years i was even a a, a, a pakistani citizen for 8 years i, I was going to
0: say that there's some <laughs> resemblance there <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that that's the reality of it i i i, I got a, a pakistani uh, uh passport and then i went to to egypt and when i came back i realized that uh uh, my future will be in in the West, so okay. so I started because I started uh, studying French literature and philosophy, Western philosophy, and then I went to Egypt afterward, okay. just to go my to to go through my uh, the classical teaching with the traditional ways of doing this with uh, scholars and shiur on a one to one basis, uh, and and then the whole thing for me was okay now, I just need to get it right. I'm a a Western citizen, a Western Muslim Mm. and with all what I got from my the diverse way of studying, you know, philosophy, literature, Islamic studies, very traditional in a very traditional way, uh, how do you do this and, and in which way I can be useful for myself
0: and for the people around me. So growing up in Geneva I've been to Geneva beautiful city quite expensive actually but the home of chocolates and 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 not just that obviously the headquarters of the United Nations as well let's not forget so you were still even though you'd left Egypt or your parents had left Egypt and you were now in Switzerland you were in the heart of things weren't you I mean Geneva is is a major
2: European capital Yeah, it's true, and and this is where, you know, my father decided, he he
1: had a choice between coming to London and going to Geneva, and he was advised at that time, go to Geneva, it's close to the United Nations, this is where you can have a voice... Uh, as to what was happening in Egypt. Mm. So we went there, and and being in Geneva, you are at the heart of Europe, international city, dealing with so many people coming from everywhere. Mm. And and it's an international city, and and for that, it's really, for me, it was an experience of being involved with so many people, you know, African countries, uh, uh, Latin American countries, uh, Asian countries, and I was very, very young. I was involved in so many political struggles when dealing with, you know, uh, yeah. liberation theology in in Latin America, wow. supporting Mandela. When I was, you know, I was very young and going in the street and 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 protesting and and asking for, you know, this. Uh, uh, boycott of the the banks and the swiss banks that were supporting apartheid at that yeah. time so this was something that and it's important for the people to understand that you know i'm, I'm coming from a very religious family mm. being the grandson of hassan al-banna being the son of uh, uh, wafa al-banna and saeed ramadan it's a very religious uh family mm. very very islamically oriented but at the same time what i got from my parents is be on the side of justice so they pushed me to go for solidarity with the people yes. with, with with solidarity with the oppressed and, and supporting africans supporting migrants supporting uh um, or, you know, dealing with apartheid and support. so it i i had an upbringing which was you are muslim Yes, but your principles is to be for humanity and to promote justice among human beings. So, so this is something which is quite important. I I was never under a, a, a very narrow mm. Islamic education, and and this is what uh, uh, made me who I am. Because it's coming from somewhere, not only from me, but from my my parents. And I I was really, you know, now years later, say. Wow, they were very open-minded people that, you know, coming with this understanding that uh, in the name of Islam, you should not forget, you should not deny, you should not neglect the rights of people even though they are not Muslims. That's that's my understanding of things.
0: People watching this um, wouldn't, with all due respect to all those who are watching this, they wouldn't have the background in terms of your lineage that you've got. Imam Hassan al-Banna. Uh, very, whichever way you look at him, some people, a lot of people, admire him, idolise him, have got his writings and uh, and feel inspired by him. Uh, others obviously have a different view. But whoever, you know, whatever view you've got, a very very famous international Islamic figure. Was it difficult to live up to those ideals as a as a as a teenager, for example, when you've got Switzerland all around you?
1: It was. It yes. was difficult. Uh, and at the same time, I I, I was in a situation where living in, in Switzerland, I always heard about Egypt, Egypt as being, you know, the source, the, the mother yeah. country, everything was there. And I myself started to idealize Egypt and the people there. Okay. So when I went there, I was 17 uh, the first time. I, I realized, oh you know, I came with all this, I want, you know, to fight and I'm ready for, to come with, to bring my ideas. And I saw people having their daily life. I said, okay, no, everything is fine. So we are not really much involved. And I, even though my, my uncle saying, sending his son to be educated as a Muslim in Geneva, I said, okay, it might, it might be the other way around. So living in in switzerland it was not easy and but it was not like today because at that moment when i was young the people didn't really know and it was not widespread all the okay. discussion about the muslim brotherhood and the political islam it it was it was not so much covered by the media as it is now but at the same time very quickly i i had to deal with this and and, and knowing for myself what part of my legacy mm. um i'm bringing and protecting and 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 being respectful of it all of all of okay it. and at the same time in which way i might be also critical of some of the decisions because this is the way i was with my parents and this is the way they educated me it's take from us what is right and be critical
2: when we are wrong that's how is your relationship with your parents tell me your relationship let's start with your father my father rahimahullah he passed away in 95
1: uh, I am the youngest in the family, so I saw him dealing with my elder uh, brothers and my sister, and uh, the, the, the way he was, he was very committed to Islam and, and very much of course, yes. uh, very much influenced by what he got from the spiritual teachings of his uh, father, spiritual father, My the, so his spiritual father he is my grandfather, he is yeah. the father of my mother. And what was really important in the way he was educating us is that it was all about discussion, not about imposing. He never imposed on me Mm. to pray or to that was not his way of dealing. It was about discussing. It was about listening. And my mother was the same. So, so, so all the people were saying, you know what, Hassan El Banna, narrow-minded thinker, it's a literalist. I say, okay, you know what, if you want to see somebody, look at his daughter or his son and you'll get a sense of the way he, yeah. he educated and he he was the first one in 33 1933 to create the first schools of for women in in egypt against oh. al-azhar against so and this is what i got from 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 this legacy he has uh, an education based on open-mindedness uh, on uh, dealing with uh, people, you know, I remember once I said to my father, you know, God, you know what I'm going to Africa I say for what? I say I'm going to support it's a solidarity work. I say go, go. If 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 it's for this, you go because you are supporting human beings. You are supporting. You're acting against uh, injustice. It was not about, is it Islamic
0: or not? Hmm. If it's for
1: justice, it's Islamic per se. That's it.
0: Period. So that's your father. Yeah. What about your mother? Because she is the the daughter of.
2: Yes, and and, and my mother was the same on this. She's a
1: very Allah, She's still with us, alhamdulillah. And she is powerful, and she was powerful, always committed to the principles, and uh, uh, not always easy to have a discussion when it came to uh, personal things. I I remember when I was young that she was uh, open to... uh, She was really... Uh, directing us towards educate yourself got your degrees and we'll talk about you know once i went to my father said i want to leave switzerland i want to go to india and my father said okay great i'm going to send you my mother said no his degree first so this was something which was important and i understood why hmm. and i understand now why it's important because your degree is a way where you you get a kind of intellectual autonomy and financial autonomy and yeah. you can be heard in the society and i'm grateful that uh, she went that through this uh, and being also very open to the society the f- after the quran the first book i got from my mother yes is a book of french poetry Alfred de Musset She didn't even understand What was in the book Because it was in French But say I read some of it It's, it's nice Like Need
0: what? It. Do you know? Do you remember?
1: That, uh, yes, I, I have one in my heart Go I can tell it. you the... Go for it. <laughs> J'ai perdu ma force Et ma vie Et mes amis Et ma gaieté J'ai perdu jusqu'à la fierté Qui faisait croire à mon génie Quand j'ai connu la vérité J'ai cru que c'était une amie Quand je l'ai comprise Et senti J'en étais dégoûté
0: That's incredible Now listen I don't understand A word of what you said I'm pretty sure We'll translate it That's really good But you speak Really fondly About your parents What about your siblings Who You know What is the Ramadan family The Ramadan family Who are six
1: So uh, I'm I'm the last one And uh, we are uh, Five brothers And one sister Um, You know once I I wrote a book in in '95 the the very same year my father passed away, and I wrote uh, uh, as a dedication of the book is that we are children of exile. Mm. Children of exile. It's not an easy. It's 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 it was not easy for for us just to be far from the country, living under because there was you know political pressure. Yes, we had very very ongoing financial problem because my father didn't want to take money from governments and, yeah. and, and we had to deal with this so uh, we you know a, a, a big family with troubles within but we are still brothers yeah. and sister and trying our best just to be committed and, and what is the success of my parents is that we are all uh,
2: committed Muslims all trying to do our best with uh, the mission that we have
0: and did your family uh, right now are they all established in in switzerland where you grew up in geneva or have they now spread out to different parts of europe <laughs> i'm a, i'm the
2: only one who left oh so wow, I, okay i left geneva because and then i came to london because yeah. i
1: was at the university here uh, but all of them stayed in geneva
2: yeah.
0: and and tell us about geneva back then when you when going through those years so your childhood teenage up to university um was it welcoming did could you go out and eat could you you know visit the park and maybe go to the mosque and what the, was the, the, the it? daily
1: life thing. the daily life uh was an easy life and we were not facing at that time, the kind of Islamophobia that we have in Today. Switzerland, because, because it's, as we said, an international city. So mm. the people were coming, they knew about, you know, uh, uh, Islam. I was facing racism in school, that's for sure, as, you know, perceived as an Arab, perceived yeah, yeah. as a Muslim, yes. But I was very much involved in sport, as a semi-professional in, in, in football, okay. and also playing uh, tennis. So, so Who, do you support? <laughs> Who do you support? <laughs> about what? In football. <laughs> in football, Brazil. Brazil I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) it's far from I was thinking uh, (laughs) it's gonna be Brazil (laughs) (laughs) Brazil was my since I was you know very young this is the, the, the these are the artists
0: yeah, yeah, of course they are. Now, l- moving on to your time in London, where did you come to in London? Where did you
2: stay? I I, I came in London in 2005. Mm. Uh, I was
1: supposed to go to the, the States at yeah. uh, Notre Dame University and they revoked my visa. Okay. So I came to, uh, to London. I was, and I'm still based, I still... Uh, have uh, uh, my my house in in uh, Wembley, okay. uh, and then I, I I was traveling from Wembley to Oxford to to teach, and uh, this is where I live.
0: And how did you find London, in terms of? I mean, I know Wembley; it's very you know very diverse. Lots of you know lots of people from different parts of the world are there. It must have been similar to Geneva, because you said that that's what the picture was in Geneva, but just. Probably more yes, Asian.
1: To tell you the truth, that my life in London was quite different from my life in Geneva because I was always, I, I, I settled here, I was teaching, but my life was not really really in, in Wembley, always traveling, traveling oh. from one country to another. And for the last six years, you know, it's the first time now that I'm coming back to, to after six years being banned from traveling in France, uh, I'm coming back and, and, and trying to, to reacquaint. End, exactly
0: and and do you think london's changed from the london that you arrived in all those years ago I'm, i can't say because it's
1: it's a very short stay so so th- my perception about it's not about the people it's more about the political discourse okay. i think yes it has changed and and f- not for the better
0: yeah and i think that leads me on to my next question because obviously we've got to know a little bit about um you, your family, your background. Before I get onto my the, the main body of what we're going to talk about, I want to ask you about your time at the University of Oxford. Mm. How did you get into a position where, and this is for those watching this podcast who have got an educational mind and want to probably go into that. How did you get to being a professor? Or how does somebody become a professor?
1: No, it's a long process. I was going to... Uh, to go as a professor in, because they called me in Notre Dame. They wanted the professor of Islamic, contemporary Islamic studies, so they called me. And then I was going, nine days before going, they revoked my visa, the government, Bush administration, they revoked my visa. So I I was in limbo in Geneva, not knowing what to do. And then I had people in in the University of Oxford telling me, uh, we might have a, a, a visiting uh, fellowship, so you can come. So I said, okay, I'm, I'm, go- I'm going. Mm. So I, I came for a first year just to see how it worked uh, for me as a visiting fellow, and at the same time I was working with the Locahy Foundation here in London, mm. uh, supported by Ken Livingstone at that time. He was supporting, and it was much more about you know promoting uh, values. and And then. Uh, I was waiting to see where there was a position uh, as a, a, a university professor and I was in Oxford and then they opened uh, uh, a position in Oxford and then I applied as any professor or any you know candidate should do. And uh, I did it and I, I, this was successful and this
0: was in 2009. Let's just go one step back. When you went to university, did you always believe you were destined to become a scholar in the footsteps of your grandfather? No, that that
1: you know my my mission and my understanding of what I should do and what I am um, I was or I would be in the society was a teacher. Ah, okay. This this was, and by the way, my grandfather was a teacher. So was he was a teacher, and then he became hence, an hence imam. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, and well, then he, he became an, uh, an imam afterward. So, so I, I was just uh, trying to do my best as a teacher, but there was some there, there was something that was clear for me that I was going to write, I was going to speak, and then step by step, what came in my life was to go back to Egypt to get my traditional Islamic uh, education and then to to be able... And and to understand one thing is just, look, if I am born and raised in Geneva, in Europe,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it's not by accident. I have to understand that there is a mission here. And by the way, my father, when I was born in Geneva, he said, I gave you the name Tariq after Tariq ibn Ziyad for you to for you to do what you have to do in Europe, which means to settle and to promote uh, the Islamic principles.
0: I'm just trying to do what he thought I should do. And tariq ibn Ziyad, as we know, was the famous young Muslim who came to the shores um, of Spain and within 20 years, I believe and France, was. And France, uh, yeah, even. Absolutely, yeah. yeah they, they were on the borders of yeah. Poitiers. Uh, very, very inspirational. Mm. Look. Let's talk about what's going on. I mean, a lot of people will be clicking onto this podcast, thinking it says Gaza. What does Tariq uh, feel about Gaza? You know, we want to know about the Sheikh's views.
2: Really?
0: It's breaking everybody's hearts, Muslim and non-Muslim. Let's be True. completely, True. Yeah. you know, frank here. This is a lot of Muslim analysts say this is not just a, a, an issue about Islam; it's about an issue of justice. What's your view on what's going on right now in Gaza? first let me just say something about
1: the way you started because I I think it's important for us not to make it uh, uh, an Islamic issue versus a Jewish issue. Mm. It's an international uh, case, it's a human uh, situation and uh, we are dealing with oppressors and oppressed people, yeah. and it's about justice versus injustice. And then this is for us to understand that in the way we are talking about it, we are talking to our brothers and sisters in humanity, not only to Muslims, not only to Christians, not only to Jews or to whoever. It's really for us to make it clear that uh, it's a global issue. Now. Uh, I have been talking about this and for for now, I don't know, almost 40 years, and, and, and as we know, every mm-hmm. year we have a cycle of violence, and the people of Gaza or the people of uh, the West Bank are the victims of an ongoing process of mm. colonization, uh, uh, slow and invisible, and today a visible one, uh, colonization. And, and we have to be quite clear that this is Uh, against the international law, it's against the UN resolutions. Now, there is a step further now with what is happening in Gaza. After what happened on the 7th of October, uh, they said, okay, it's going to to last for a long time. We are going to destroy uh, Hamas, as they say. We are going to just uh, uh, finish it. And, And what is really unacceptable in the whole process is to see the Western countries being silent, Mm. governments being silent. So there is a fracture between the governments and the people. As you said, the great majority of the people in the West and around the world are supporting the Palestinians on the side of the victims. Mm. But now you have governments, and the first one is even the United States of America, Biden going and supporting a lie just to make sure that he is showing his support to Israel yeah. by, with the hospital and, uh, and, and saying that this was done by... That's the,
0: the El Shifa hospital, uh, El Sh-
1: exactly. yeah. Exactly. This was done by the the, the, the Palestinians themselves so we 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 need when it comes to this to be prepared with the vocabulary the facts Mm. and uh, the the goal the vocabulary and the way we are put in a situation where we are on the defensive because the people are saying okay look you want to start talking about this do you condemn what happened on the seventh of? and then the muslims are, are are scared they don't Look, we have to be quite clear on the vocabulary. We have to be clear on the facts, and mm. we have to be clear on what do we want to achieve there. So, so so, this is something that I think is still missing in the psyche and the elect intellectual education mm. of many leaders, and especially the Muslim leaders when they come to speak about uh, Gaza. And, and, and this is where we are quite weak in the way we are supporting the Palestinians.
0: Yesterday, the British Foreign Secretary, um, with his German counterpart, talked of a sustainable ceasefire. That's where we are right now, which means that the governments in the West are now taking the lead from the United States' back door. We know that. The US hasn't called for a sustainable ceasefire, but they normally get the Europeans to do it first and then they'll, they'll follow. The Europeans will only do it with their support. We know the US Secretary of State, which has now gone to Israel to say, look, this needs to be wrapped up now. Do you believe that the Israelis have done as much as they can without being successful? Because we know they're not successful. Hamas cannot be destroyed in this manner, certainly not. Do you think the Israelis have just wantonly taken out their bloodlusts, as some would say, in inverted commas? Or is it a bit more sophisticated than that? I think it's it's quite complicated what
1: is happening, and and we have to to look at uh, at it twice when mm. we try to come uh, to jump to a conclusion when it comes to what is happening now. You know, we heard that they killed by mistake uh, three of the hostage. Yes. This this was a, a few days ago, and then plus uh, they are not achieving. The, the, what they want to do in the, the region even though we have once again to be quite clear
2: mm-hmm.
1: what they are doing now by you know destroying all this house well they flattened this, yes exactly all what they are doing uh, will have a a, a a huge impact on the future of Gaza and in their mind mm-hmm. the mind of the committee around Netanyahu is really to control the whole Uh, Gaza in a way which is in the name of security we are going to control this, all what they were saying about international force being there it's no longer uh, a discussion for them, it's really to control the whole thing now they are not achieving this but they still have uh, a domestic front with the people saying you can't go ahead and kill the hostages that are still with Hamas so you can't do this At the same time, you are now targeting even Western citizens, and you killed the French one, now the two hostages, three hostages. Uh, uh, Is it by mistake that you did it? How did it happen? All this is strange that they killed these people in in such a way. It's as if you, 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 you may ask yourself. Did they know something that should not be known, that killed them? It's it's strange that they are coming with a a white flag and you kill them. So there are many questions here. So I think that in the position of the the Israeli government now, Mm. it's quite clear that there are internal tensions, domestic tensions with uh, the Israeli uh, citizens. And at the same time, there is an international pressure and Biden can't do anything because of domestic political reasons for him, the the, the elections are coming, he can't go very quick and very far. So uh, I I think that in this, what we need to get here is that, uh, uh, you know, there is something that I want to say, I I don't really buy, uh, I'm not so happy with what I heard from some people who are supporting Palestinians. Yes, you know, at the end, we will win and at the end, that's fine, I'm, I'm hopeful. I know that Israel today is working against itself. Mm. Yes, that's true. But at the same time, we have to look at facts. We have to look at, you know, I, I don't even buy the, the numbers that we, the figures that we have now, it's almost 30,000 people being killed that's in Gaza. Right, yeah. that, that's that's what the, the specialists are saying with all what we see. So we need also to come with our hope for the future should not uh, make us deny the facts and objective facts on the ground by being able to say here, we need now to have something which is to uh uh to To question our governments and yeah. to question the 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 the, the authority on the moral authority of the western governments today because they are losing this moral uh, uh, authority today
0: there's two prongs i want to now go into the reaction of Muslims living in the west as compared to the reactions of Muslims living in Arab societies and their own governments. Let's start off with Muslims in the West. Are you encouraged that in the United States there's a campaign saying that we as Muslims are not going to be supporting the Democrats? Or in the United Kingdom, many people, uh, mo- mainly Muslims, I think it was the figure is around seventy-five or seventy-nine percent of Muslims in the last general election supported uh, the Labour Party, and that figure, according to one. Muslim census they did a survey and they said that figure's gone down to five percent is that encouraging I mean it's probably going to be similar to in France and other, everywhere, other countries yeah everywhere. is that encouraging for you yes yes it means now you can
1: you know you should get this and it started I think almost 30 years ago yeah the people who are supporting Israel they were very worried about this historical process of Muslims becoming citizens. And once I was in Sweden with a, 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 a Zionist activist saying, you know what, we have to be very, very careful with these Muslims because if now they become citizens, they are going to change our
2: foreign policy. Did he know he was talking to you? Huh? <laughs>
1: <laughs> he knew. He knew. And this he knew. is. But, but he was saying this, I was in the room, and that's, I, I came afterwards so saying, bold. what you said yeah. is exactly what we should understand that you are scared of us becoming citizens because yes, with the number, with demography, we are going to change and yeah. to question your foreign policy. So now they can see that if it's if if it's going to go that way, you are going to lose the the British Muslims or. But, but, even more than that i think that this is where we have to be clear we should not make it you are going to lose the british muslims you are going to
2: lose all the british citizens supporting justice around the world
0: i think that's a really good point and i think in america you've got so many jews that are leading this yes, and they've occupied libraries not in, a, not in, com- our, name, not exactly. in our name yeah, yeah. yeah and um, it, it's incredible the number of Non-Zionist Jews, who who have come to the front, but let, we're going to focus on Muslims because obviously you know that, yeah. that is important for, for for our listeners who will want to get a picture of what's going on. How is it uh, for Muslims in Europe? Um, is it is it is it something that uh, is galvanizing them together? Because I keep hearing that in France, the pressures on Muslims to conform is much more stricter than it is in the UK. It
2: is, it, you know, it's one of the only only countries uh, in the West
1: yeah. uh, which uh, prevented the, the the people from protesting and, and 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 taking to the street for Palestine. Yes, that, that happened for, for for months. It was very. Difficult. And Germany yes. banned pro palestine like, exactly, demonstrations. Yeah. Exactly. So 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 this is also ha- this happened in France. So so we had this. Now at the same time, uh, what is clear for many uh, European Muslims and Western Muslims is that uh, there is a popular support and the people are getting it now. It's just quite clear that the governments are you don't know if the Western governments are supporting Israel or Israel is just Having them under their control, under under its own control. That that's what is 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 visible today. So for us today, as citizens in the in the country, it's important to carry on uh, these protests, this uh, call for justice, ceasefire as a first step, but justice
0: as something which is the future in the region. People in this country are questioning whether. Muslims should be in the Labour Party, whether they should resign, whether they should stand as independents. Have you got a view? I mean, I'm not talking about just in the UK, but generally, should they be co-opting into the major political parties? Should they go independent? What do you say as a, as somebody who's a thinker? Uh, look, we, we had a discussion
1: uh, this discussion is a, an ongoing discussion because many in the UK were saying, you know what, we need to have our party. So we will have an Islamic party, it happened. It happened,
0: yeah, yeah. So
1: it happened also in France, it happened in, in other countries. And I think that's not the way. That's not to, to isolate or to self-isolate ourselves is not going to be the right way. Now, to be part of the uh, the the mainstream yeah. political parties, that's fine. But once again, there is one critical question here, is you have to assess uh, how useful you are within. Mm. Because if at the end of the day you enter the party to lose your principles, forget about it. If it's to enter to be lost, you better stay where you are and try to find a way to, to be active within the society. Now, as a political activist, you have to be very clear on what are the goals you want to achieve? Yeah. What are the principles you want to be faithful to? And second, with whom are you going to work? Because mm. this is also something which is important. You are dealing with politicians, and some of them are very respectful towards mm. your principles. Other, others are not. No. So you have to choose your, uh, your uh, colleagues and, and the people who are going to, 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 to deal with you. So this uh, black and white response, uh, yes or no, it's not the right way. It's a gray area. And every one of us should assess his or her potential to remain faithful to his or her principles in this very difficult environment. Politics is risky. Politics is morally risky. Mm. And anyone who was involved in it or is involved in it knows that this is the reality of it. So you, if you feel that at the end, in order to have
2: some power You are losing your heart. Keep your heart and forget about power.
0: Very good, Nasiha. Those budding politicians listening today, or those that are politicians, I'm pretty sure some will be, I think they can take a lot from what you've just Mm -hmm. said. If Effectively, what you're saying is, if you think you cannot bring a positive change, if you cannot, for example, advocate for the Palestinians openly and stick to the moral principles of your faith then I suppose you need to ask yourself, am I really contributing?
2: Would that be fair?
1: Yes, yes, That that that's the point. Now, it's always a question of balancing your situation. It's not, as I said, it's not black and white. Mm. Now, you also have to, to, look, you know, I kept on repeating that I made a mistake uh, at the beginning when I was advocating, you know, uh, to be a European Muslim, be a European citizen. And at one point I realized that I was stressing so much on be a citizen. Yes. That I forgot to stress on be a human. Because if in the name of your citizenship you are going to be keep quiet about what we are doing with migrants in the Mediterranean Sea, mm. what is going to happen to Africans? Mm. What is going to happen to Palestinians? If in the name of your citizenship and to have some national power, you are losing your human brotherhood, Mm. that's not going to work. So we are not here to be good British or good French citizens. We are here to be good human beings, meaning to remind our fellow citizens that we are not going to keep quiet with Palestinians. We are not going to keep quiet with uh, uh, people around the world, Africans. And this is our mission. Our Mm. mission is to reconcile our nationality. Yes. with humanity, not the other
0: way around. I said the second prong is gonna be about the reaction of Muslims in Muslim-majority countries okay. and their governments. But before I do, I just wanna ask you, a lot of Muslims came from those countries into this country, yes. thinking this is the promised land, mm-hmm. and for that they carry, I suppose it's fair to say, an inferiority complex. Yeah they feel that they are migrants they feel that yes we are part of this society now but we still need to be a bit careful why is that and what do they do to overcome that do they say well you know it's our country and we're going to be taking this whichever way we want i think that
1: i would say to the brothers and sisters who are feeling that way change your glasses okay change your glasses how first you come you sit here and historically speaking Mm. it's normal your parents the great majority in europe are coming from a modest background they left because of finance economy work jobs and they came here they took time to settle and to find their way and you were raised and born and raised here and it's an ongoing process it's a historical process now change your classes in which way who are the more courageous people? Yeah. The people who left their country, came here, start everything again, got some money, gave you uh, gave you uh, life here, raised you here. These are the courageous. Yeah. So look at your pa- father and your mother, you know, which is, wow. Oh, what you did, they came with nothing, even no knowledge, no education. They were able to bring you here, to to, to, to to create a family, to give you education. Now stand up. In the name of this legacy, in the name of your, this history, now you have to do what is the courageous way for you to carry on this history, yeah. which means get <clears throat> your education, raise your children, and be uh, agent of for peace and uh, good in this society, so they made their part yes. to yours. So, but you have to change this perception. It's not because you are economically weak
0: yeah.
1: that you are not a dignified person. Yes, the other way around. If. Through all this experience, not having money, Mm. you kept your dignity, you came here, you built mosques and centers, and you have this community, just say Alhamdulillah and do what you have
0: to do. You know, a very good friend of mine said to me that there is a purpose for Muslims to be brought all the way from their countries into this country. And his theory was that the Almighty wanted to get a a generation of well educated you know sophisticated uh, urbane um, muslims to to grow up and then to take that knowledge and spread it back into the mother countries now i don't know whether we all agree with that perhaps that's, there's some truth in that i can say when i grew up when i came my parents came to this country as mill workers Okay, yeah. in Lancashire, yeah. um, and uh, you know f- my family is a family of fa- farmers. You know my f- my grandfather yeah. was farming until he was eighty six, and then he retired. Um, Allah grant him you know the highest levels of Jannah, and my story is very similar to others. Just like you said, when you said to me you suffered racism at school, I suffered a lot of racism in school, yeah. and then it was only because of. You know um, the education system. My parents pushing me, saying you need to go down this route. That we, I was able to craft a, a better outcome than, than than most do, and that's why your words about what people in this country need to do, or in France or in Germany in the West need to do, uh, are so important. Hence, obviously, you were in the one hundred yeah. top uh, Islamic thinkers in Europe. Do you think there's an extra burden on you before I go on to the the, the, the and a lot of people want to listen to? your hmm. your views on muslim countries and normalization but just on you right now do you think there's an extra burden on you
1: yes in which in which way look i'm privileged i'm not coming from a family who you know left egypt because of economic reasons yes my father and my mother were intellectually and cult- culturally equipped in my home, we have books everywhere. Yes. And when you have books, and when you have this, the way I was raised was not with this inferiority complex. Now you have to bring something, you have to give something. So with all this, your responsibility when you come, it's the very meaning of election. Why Banu Israel were elected? Why do Are we as Muslims elected? Mm. In which way? To be elected means you have to serve more is not to be elected and you are happy with your position i am elected the chosen people we don't have this in islam the chosen people are the people who have to serve the non chosen people yes. that you serve the people do what you have to do so when I'm, I'm 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 just studying my history and and what we were talking about today it's the this family and 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 when i'm coming from i say okay look i i got everything yeah. i have no you know um, it's not out of my uh, uh, position, and, and I, I was equipped even being able to to get the very sense of what I can do in the, the country, and then you have to, to give it back. So you have to give it back, and this is the very meaning of to be thankful towards God. You gave me everything, so I got this. I understood, and I understand okay. what you are expecting from me, so I have to do my job, and this is an uh, uh, an added, Uh, A burden that uh, I I am just trying to achieve. I think think you do it
0: marvellously well. Let let me me put that on record. I need to move on to how many people certainly in this country that I speak to you know um, as a presenter and a broadcaster have been covering the demonstrations against the Israeli uh, brutality in Gaza and they say they are so disappointed with the reaction of Muslim countries. They can understand why there aren't absolutely massive demonstrations because the societies are so oppressed but why have muslim countries reacted in the some would say very mute way in fact you know there was a report a couple of days ago that the uae and saudi have allowed a land bridge so so that they don't have to go past the houthis hmm. and they can trans get their goods or whatever they're getting from the uae um via saudi and jordan i mean this smacks of like people can't understand it give us some understanding i,
1: I, I think that the people shouldn't understand that uh uh, who you know who failed the Palestinians and why the Palestinians are in this situation? Yes, the first answer would be because of the Israelis, yes. because they are occupying that. But that's not only that's not true. The reality, historically speaking, they are left. They have been betrayed. But the great majority of the Arab countries mm. and the Muslim majority countries, they are not supporting them. So why? Because first, they are supported by the West. So look at all the Gulf states, uh, all the corrupt regimes that we have. Who are supporting these people? The West. And the West is supporting Israel. So if the West is saying to these countries, keep quiet, don't move, they are not going to move. And if they ask them even more than that, make your people or keep your people silent. They are going to uh, ban the protestation or the demonstrations or whatever. They are going to ban all this, and this Mm -hmm. is what is happening. So you have people, the great majority, if you look at what is happening, for example, in Algeria, in Morocco, in Egypt, the great majority of the people, of of course, are pro-Palestinians, and they are. All their heart... Uh, 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 are with the, the 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 Palestinians. Their hearts are with the Palestinians, but the governments are not, and the governments are just playing uh, the petition that
2: it's uh, coming from the Western countries. But we had in the seventies King Faisal.
0: Um, he he threatened an oil embargo. Zulfikar Ali Bhutto of Pakistan. He said, you know, Muslim countries should stand on their own two feet and, and some say that's the reason why he was assassinated there have been Muslim leaders that you know express the will of the people yeah. is it really that bad now I mean do they not see what we see the images uh, on our phones on our social media you can't even the yeah. news broadcasts. Yeah. even right. if you just watch CNN all day or BBC you you can't miss the the children that are dying yeah yes no it's worse than yesterday because
1: you had in history some people and even before you know 67 uh, 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 you had people even you know people who were expressing a position that were supporting palestinians and the more we go it started with egypt going for a peace process yeah. and then other countries and then up to saudi arabia wanting to normalize the rely the relationship with israel say okay something bad is happening here which means that they uh, let the palestinians down and, and this is what they they want to do and this is why we in the west Uh, supporting the people in the Muslim-majority countries or in African countries, because this is the reality, we should be quite vocal by saying we stand uh, by the Palestinians and we stand with uh, uh, the people of uh, the the, the Muslim-majority countries, not with the governments.
2: And, And this is important for us. We need to be vocal with this.
0: Many observers in the West, particularly those that are sympathetic to Israel, they say, well we didn't see you out on the streets marching for the Uyghurs in China or, for example, the Syrians who were being butchered by uh, Assad, the president Assad. But when it comes to the Palestinians, you somehow all get up together and you're, you're as one body. And I think they don't understand this concept of Ummah because I think even on the Uyghur and the Syrian situation, the reaction of Muslims internationally has been incredible there has been a lot that takes place, but it seems to be, for them, they cannot understand the concept of uh, ummah. Why is that? Yeah, but
1: I understand what you are saying, but at the same time, there is a fair point here, okay. in what they are saying. And I, 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 I take what they are saying. On, 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 for two reasons. The first one is, the concept of ummah, as you said, you know, a, a community of faith, and we are supporting our brothers and sisters in Islam. It's yeah. fine, but as we said, uh, we are supporting our brothers and sisters in Islam as much as we are supporting our brothers and sisters in humanity, because this has to be clear for us. We are supporting all the victims. We are in hi- human history on the side of the victims. We have two problems. Okay. The first one is that it's true that You know, if you want to play a a consistent role in the West, you should be supportive of the victims, not only when it comes to Muslims, it's not only the Palestinians. Where were the Muslims when it came to apartheid in South Africa, Mm -hmm. or when it comes to what is happening now in Congo? Why are we silent? So it's as if when it comes to you, you are here, or you people, so so you are moved by what? Mm. By principles or by my people? And I forget about the others. Okay. If we want to be consistent, we have, and this is why, we, we are going to be much more heard on Palestine if we are also vocal on other situations where we need to be there and say this is not acceptable. This is one. The second problem that we have is, as you know, we are very emotional. Our support is very much coming with the media coverage we are following the media the, the, because of what is happening today and the bombing and all the the Palestinians they don't need us only or they haven't you know uh, they, they, they they are not expecting us to support them uh, uh, over the last two months okay it's 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 it should not be and it cannot be a situation where we support emotionally, the people, because the media are talking about them, or not, or not enough, mm. uh, and then forget about them in between, so so it's an ongoing process, we have to be involved so forget about emotional support uh, forget about selective support Yes. non-selective, non-emotional ongoing support, this is what we need
0: The last 20 years has been quite traumatic for the Muslim world let's start off Iraq the war on Iraq, I mean Two million, they say, right. die. Yeah. Lowest estimates is half a million. Yeah. Incredible numbers. Afghanistan, a 20 year occupation, which ironically resulted in the Taliban staying in power, which many observers say that's what will happen with Hamas. You can take them out, but they'll still always be there. Um, Syria, you know, we can go all across the Islamic world and look at the numbers, the sheer numbers of human beings that have died who happen to be mainly from the islamic faith some would argue that this is just a continuation of the crusades Mm -hmm. now we happen to be in the western countries as a leader of muslims in the west what's your view on that is this a crusade or is this something completely different
1: no i think it's different because we are not it's not you know targeting the, the the muslims because they are Muslims only. There are many other... We we need to get this. Yes. We are dealing here with geostrategic reasons. It's about economy. It's about money. Don't forget, in this equation, the very important role of China. Mm. China is a very important uh, uh, actor within the whole thing, and Russia at the same time. So we are still dealing with competitions and and oppositions between great powers. And as Muslims, we should not... fall into the trap, oh, it's again Islam versus the West. If we go that way, we are going to be lost because we do. We, we, it will be very difficult to find allies and, and to try to find a new way of dealing with the world. It doesn't mean that the victims are not mainly Muslims. Yes, they are, and they are mainly from the South. Yes, they are, that's true. But at one point, we need to get the the, the, the big picture and say, okay, as Western Muslims now, let us not fall into the trap, it's uh, Islam versus the West. Okay. No, it's powers and great powers versus people of principles. And the best example for that is Gaza. Gaza is just showing that whoever are the gazian people, Muslims, Christians, or with no faith, the great majority of the people are supporting Gaza today. Mm. Very, uh, against their own uh, uh, Western powers. And this is the sign that uh, we can do something on that side without falling into the trap of uh, thinking it's all about or against Islam.
0: Yeah, I mean, Gaza at the moment is being discussed everywhere. It's we, yeah. Every newspaper, magazine, every uh, news broadcast, every podcast um, on the political side is covering what's going on in Gaza. And some commentators have said, that Gaza is going to be, or is, becoming the graveyard of Western liberalism, if you will. Do you detect there's a shift now taking place between the global south, seeing and openly witnessing the erosion of Western values in Gaza because of the ferocity of the Israeli response and the lack of Western sympathy towards the Palestinians?
1: Yes and no, because I think that if you look at it the way you were putting it now, that's true, that it's as if there is a lack of consistency between the claimed values that uh, uh, you are cherishing and at the same time what you are doing. That's true. And uh, the the, the masks are falling today. You can see the people for who they are. That's true. But at the same time, uh, we have to avoid being... uh, too optimistic or, or too superficial in our uh, evaluation of the situation, our assessment. Because, yes, the media. You say you said we are talking about it everywhere. The question is not to talk about it; is how do we talk about it? Sure. How do we, so? So how the media are talking in the West about the situation? But can I just is,
0: interject and say, yeah. a few days ago, last week, the um, Israeli ambassador in the UK. Mm openly said there will not be a Palestinian state. Absolutely not, in her words. And their their, their statements, I mean, Netanyahu saying he, he was proud that he'd stopped the Palestinian state. I'm talking about not just in a negative sense, but in, in a holistic sense, where even the narrative of the Israelis is being sort of, you know, um, um, shown for, the, for yeah. this hypocrisy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, the graveyard sorry to use that term yeah. uh, it's mm. probably the wrong term but it's true it, it's, it's in Gaza along with all the martyred Palestinians is Western liberalism
1: yeah, yeah but but the problem is that I agree with this but the problem is that even though you can see this yes it's it's clear it's explicit you can see it you can see that the uh, explicitly uh, you know we can see the hypocrisy yes but tell me something didn't you know about it before
0: I have to admit yes okay that's fine
1: so that's exactly the point the point is it's not because it's your emotion makes you feel oh it's new my reason makes me think it's old and the point is that we have to deal with the old in a way where we are not going to fall into this uh, superficial emotional reaction is that Yes, we know that it's all about hypocrisy. They, they, they don't care. That uh, Netanyahu said it fifteen years ago, twenty years ago. There will be no, there would be no uh, Palestinian state. He said it before. It's just that now we say, oh wow, he's saying it. Uh, uh. No, he said it before. Mm-hmm. For the people who are studying, we knew that this is exactly what he thinks and and what he wants. Now the problem for us is to take advantage of this situation, not to hope for or, or to say. You know, your values are all collapsing, and you are collapsing uh, in the way you okay. are supporting your values. Now say, you know what? It might be that uh, our role today is, again, to come back to the essential principles that we are cherishing together, and to remind you that what you are doing now is shameful. You are supporting dehumanization. And if there is something that we are going to do in this world, we as Muslims, is to reclaim human beings and humanization against you and for what we believe in. This is the mission God gave us and is giving us until the end of the time. This is where, and this is why we are here.
0: Very powerful, very powerful. Final question. What's the future for, for Tariq? if you
1: will and the future is the past is is I'm, I'm going to carry on what i have been doing for for years and uh, alhamdulillah i'm, I'm I, I you know after what happened for 5 years it was very difficult to write uh and then alhamdulillah over the last uh, uh by the way during uh, for 3 years i i started writing poetry yes and now i started to to write my uh, last book, which is a manifesto for an Islamic theology uh, of liberation, so it's really about uh, 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 coming back to mm. the source and write something about uh, uh, liberation theology from an Islamic perspective.
0: You're going to give us some of your poetry first.
1: Uh, you want my poetry? A little
0: bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs>
1: English or French? I, I, I no, but uh, uh, it's it's really you know there are uh I, I wrote something about uh uh the last uh, uh set of uh, poetry are uh, really about my personal journey okay. from my family and and from my uh relationship to uh uh to the past to the the the, the legacy and uh, it's all about uh, try to uh, you know my favorite uh favorite uh scene everything is uh, uh, tell the people you love that you love them because life is fragile. I'm just trying to translate this.
2: Okay.
0: And your book, uh, so that title sounds very, very intriguing. The, Islam, you know, but Islam and liberation. I mean, it was a liberation movement right yeah, at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. If you look at the, yeah. the foundational basis of it, uh, I've got a hypothetical question, which I like to ask my guests. Let's say for one day, or maybe a week, let's give you a month maybe, I think we'll probably need a month. You were the leader of the entire mankind. As it is now, what changes would you make?
1: Um, The the, the thing that I, I would say to everyone, which is exactly what I got from the revelation, change yourself, be a better person, And this will change humanity but I I would say to the humanity it's not about you trying to change the world it's about you trying to change yourself and by trying to change yourself
2: you change humanity that's the way it is Wow
0: you can tell why Sheikh Tariq Ramadan who allowed me to call him Tariq (laughs) um, I will keep that relationship uh, going with him obviously Um, is so renowned and is so important in this time that we have thinkers like yourself, uh, in a in a period where there's a lot of conflict, a lot of discussion, debate going on. Muslims themselves find themselves in a diffi- difficult position, uh, as the world as does the world. Um, one of the things I'll say is that on all the demonstrations that I've been on, I've been surprised by the number of non-Muslims there, really? and there's that there's that relationship as well. Uh, So thank you for being with us here today. And um, we'd love to have you back on at some point. Inshallah. My pleasure.